in the tap room, uh, we have a number of KPIs that we're looking at, estimates that we actually send out, and then conversions from there. So it's important to do that because, for example, from 2020 to 2021, our number of leads that came in dropped significantly. But that was because we increased our rates. Our close rate increased. And so we are spending less time on introductory calls, less time sending out proposals that were going to be rejected so we can actually get to the work that needed to be done. Screamer for you today. I had to grease some palms to get Kelly on the podcast, but Kelly Vaughn, the Georgia superstar, the Shopify Plus builder, is here today to drop knowledge bombs on you. Kelly, how are you? I am doing great. So excited to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great as well. I'm a little tired. We had the state of whale earlier, but uh, I've been just really had this circled on the calendar. You're such an interesting person, and a lot of eclectic backgrounds, and a lot of really uh, just cool stuff I want to talk about. And, and you have, you're a Pelotoner. So I mean, oh, there, yeah. there's just everything. Um, <laughs> as always, I am in the Austin HQ for marketing. Um, where does this podcast find you? I am based out of Atlanta. Oh, cool. Hot Atlanta. All right. How long have you been in Georgia? Um, almost 16 years. Actually, I have it marked on my calendar. Three months from now, I want to say, is officially living in Georgia longer than living in Michigan. And I'm having a little bit of, it, of an ex- existential crisis over it because I define myself as a Michigander and I'll be living I, here longer. So every time I get somebody on the podcast, I do a little stalking. And now I understand because you're quite the cyclist. You're, you, yes. you like to cycle. Yeah. And so you had a very slick uh, UM uh, cycling thing, but but you're actually <laughs> a Georgia gal, right? So you, you went to UGA. I went to UGA for a very long time. I have three degrees from the University of Georgia. Oh, wow. I missed that part. What did what you, you get your degrees in? Oh, my gosh. So, so hence I, the triple bulldog offline. Yes. Now, now, I told you I was a little now slow. I'm sense. a little undercaffeinated. Yeah, but now I'm clicking. <laughs> I, so I get it now. my bachelor's is in psychology, and I have two master's degrees in public health and clinical social work. So I'm actually a trained therapist. Oh, wow. How about that? Maybe you should be leading the podcast. Huh? I, need, I need some, <laughs> some How does this make time. you feel? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How fascinating. So what an interesting mix. What uh, led to, because that that's a decent time in school, right? Oh, yeah. Semi, semi-long time in academia. What what drove those decisions? What, what made you want to kind of pursue those pathways? I have always been fascinated with, it's a weird thing to be fascinated about, childhood obesity prevention. Yeah, that was my core focus when I was in both undergrad and grad school. So I I ran a a camp uh, that focused on teaching healthy behaviors to kids and involved the parents because all these healthy behaviors start at the house. And I have some really fun stories from from that camp. Like the time somebody came to me, it's a weekend camp, uh, and one of the kids comes to me on a Sunday afternoon was like. My mom has a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich in the car. Can I eat it? I'm like, one, it's Sunday. So obviously it was not purchased today. Two, no. <laughs> that is a bit, all, all I'm picturing in my head right now is just replays of heavyweights. <laughs> the movie <laughs> and the blob and everything like that. That's incredible. So uh, randomly enough, one of my best friends actually, um, his PhD is in nutrition and his uh, dissertation was on um, Hispanic obesity in um, really, really young kids because there, there gets to, 
uh, the not to go too far in the digression, but it's semi-interesting. In uh, Hispanic culture, a lot of times the male is usually a laborer or something like that, and so they can buffer a lot of carbs, and so they can eat a certain style, and the women aren't usually doing that much uh, physical labor, and so you get kind of this really challenging, um, you know, uh, nutritional kind of environment um, where these kids and then the mother aren't really getting the nutrition they need, whereas the father is basically this nuclear blast furnace and they just need <laughs> calories because, you know what I mean, they're working sun yeah. up to sundown, usually in manual labor. And so he, yeah, the going back to your stories, like there was some really incredible stories. And then um, there's also some really interesting stuff around like food deserts where oh, yeah. it's just really challenging to get, you know, some, some decent nutrients um, that you need. There's some economic kind of uh, hurdles there, but how fascinating. It's, that yeah, is, that's it's, actually, that's it's really a very, cool. That's actually a very fascinating topic as well because uh, I'm Hispanic. I'm very, very white. My, par- my grandparents are from Spain and Cuba. And there's actually, my mom just pulled or sent an email to me like a couple of weeks ago that have newspaper clippings that my family was one of the first families to escape Cuba and uh, like seek refuge in the U.S. And there's like all kinds of newspaper articles about them. And actually, they um, ended up in in Ohio. <laughs> how? Ra- oh, really? That's a excuse <laughs> in Columbus. How? Ra- look at these. This, this, uh, that's, have you been back to Havana or Cuba at all or anything like that? I haven't. I haven't. And I was I was talking to my family. Uh, it was probably oh, pre pandemic, I guess. And I was like, Yeah, you know, I'm 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 looking to book a trip to Havana. And they're like, Oh, you can go hang out with so and so in this family room. I'm like. I'm just going to show up and be like, I don't know you, but we're related. Yeah. So please take yeah. me in. And you know, yeah, Hispanic culture is going to be like, hello. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, my mom's Mexican. So I, yeah, I could definitely vouch for that. That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. I've heard of Anna's beautiful. Uh, I think during Obama, you could go really easily. I think now it's a little more difficult. There was yeah. kind of some stuff, but um, there, there's some ways around it, but uh, how fun, how cool. So yeah. how did all this manifest into like e-com and like Shopify development? It is such a wild journey. Um, I have to back up to when I was 11 years old to actually start the story. Okay, let's rewind it. That's when I learned how to code. Wow. (laughs) I was a child, um, very much a child. I so there's this website called Neopets that some may be familiar with. I'm dating myself, but yes, I know it. I know it. <laughs> For those who are not familiar, uh, it's a website where you can have like your own virtual pet and you can feed it and play games and earn Neo points. And you can have, there are communities called guilds. And I wanted to run my own community. I wanted to run my own guild. But in order to style it, to you know do what you want to do with it, you had required basic HTML and CSS. And so my dad bought me a book called HTML Goodies. And I learned how to code from a book. Just so I can have my own guild on Neopets, which is hilarious now looking back and like, this is what I've become. Um, But I, it kind of sparked that entrepreneurial spirit in me very, very early on. Um, I was selling MySpace layouts for $15 a pop to middle schoolers. (laughs) The flames, the sparkles, the songs. Oh, so good. I, I built my first website for a client when I was 14 years old. It was for a hunting supply store. It was actually reflect. It was e-commerce before you could actually do all the payment side of things online. Cool. So you'd have to call in to actually like place your order. But it was an, it was an online catalog. So it's kind of funny to look back and that's what actually what I had built. Um, I was paid a t-shirt for that job. Really good deal. 
not horrible. I mean, I, I, to tell you what, I, I've done some some spec work for less. <laughs> I mean, at least you got out with some cotton, you know? Yeah, I got a little something. You know, I, I it was my dad's size. It wasn't even like a shirt that I could wear or anything like that, which made it so much better. Uh, about five years ago, my dad texts me and is like, you'll never guess what I just found. And then the he shirt. sends me a picture of the shirt. It's missing a sleeve. It's so dirty. He had been using it as a dust rag and had no idea what it was. Oh and so now I have it in my position, and I am definitely going to be hanging it and framing it in my office. That is a cool. That's a cool memorabilia. How yeah. random! Oh my gosh! And so from there, it just snowballs, and and uh, as you get more proficient with technologies and stuff like that, things just kind of caught your eye. Yeah. So I have a tendency of saying I don't want to do something and then doing it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so very much I, so coder. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I was in high school and I was like, there's no possible way I want to code for a living. If I do it, I'm going to hate it. And so I got my degree in psychology. I was freelancing still through undergrad and grad school because college is expensive. And when I graduated from grad school, I had a fellowship at the Centers for for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Uh, They they needed somebody who had their master's in public health who also knew how to code. Uh, Two months into that uh, fellowship, they were like, so I just wanted to let you know that you were the only applicant for this. I'm like, cool, thanks for making me feel special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could I could have went without knowing that. That's exactly, <laughs> it makes for a good story now, I guess. But I was still freelancing, uh, and that's that's around the time when I, uh, a little before then, when I discovered Shopify, I yeah. actually got my first Shopify project from a tweet. Uh, somebody had reached How out cool. and was like, "I have too much work. Does if, if if you're a freelancer and you can you can code, reach out to me." And I was like, "I can help you. I'm poor. I need money. I'm in college." And so he started giving me work, and it was you know a lot of WordPress for the most part. Yeah. And then he was yeah. like, "Hey, so I have this this project. The client is on a platform called Shopify. I know you've never used it before. Do you want to give it a shot?" I'm like, "Of course. Let's let's see it." And so I absolutely fell in love with the platform and it was, you know, it's a big difference coding for something like a WordPress site versus an online store because you get that immediate feedback. Like if their conversion rates going up, if if their revenue is going up, you did something right. If it's going down, (laughs) you did something wrong and you can tell, you know? And so, and it's kind of, you know, reflecting back on the fact that in 2014, I loved building on the Shopify platform. Now it's just like, I don't know how in the world I did it because I was coding directly within Shopify, not even like locally or anything like that. And it was just a terrible experience, but you know what? I loved it. And so I stuck with it. I, uh, yeah, I became a Shopify partner uh, and a Shopify expert in 2015. And when that happened, it's kind of snowballed to get more and more clients because I was one of the few experts listed at the time and I was making more money freelancing, excuse me, making more money freelancing than I was making at my fellowship. So (laughs) when my husband and I got married and I can get on his health insurance plan, I left the fellowship and went all in full-time freelance. And that was in October of 2015. How cool. Wow. And so you were really, that was a pretty smart bet because 2015 Shopify was still like you know, cool. It was the cool kid on the block, but not near the behemoth it is. Oh now. no, it was. I mean, it was it, much WooCommerce, smaller. WordPress, Magento, uh, Big Commerce. There was tons of options. Uh, wow, that's a great pick. Yeah, um, yeah. I also wish that I had bought more than two shares of Shopify stock. Right. Then, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my two shares <laughs> are doing great. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Oh my gosh. Yeah, those Canadians—they really crush it up there. That is. Uh, <laughs> 
fun. What a, and in a weird way, um, the psychology kind of dovetails really nicely, honestly, with like user experience, user interface kind of things of understanding like empathy and how somebody's going to use this and the cognitive kind of load that you're generating with this element or that element. So it wasn't exactly. all for naught. Yeah. And, and same, the public health. The, Public health is tidy. You keep the office tidy, you know, I always I always like try to the only time public health ever came into use was when I was talking to a client who happens to be health related. I was like, oh, yeah, I actually have a master's in public health. They're like, oh, that's so cool. The the social work degree, on the other hand, I use that degree every single day. I can imagine. Which is great because there's no possible way in this world I would ever actually be a practicing therapist. So I'm glad I can still use those skills and apply them to my present day instead of love therapists i love therapy it's a hard gig though they need to be paid more money <laughs> yeah it's it's a hard gig man and paradoxically like the better you are the harder it is because like you empathize even deeper and so like exactly. somebody comes with heat and you're like oh man i need to help this person and like uh, yeah and so yeah it's a, yeah they need to get paid more but that's a that's a tough gig man that is yeah. a tough one there's a reason so, turnover is so high yeah, right. Well, exactly. So not only are you underpaid, but you're kind of overworked. And then there's just certain aspects of it where it's just, you know, sometimes it's a rock and a hard place where you, it, it's not to the same magnitude. But uh, again, I had a really good friends in personal training and nutrition, and it's kind of same, same, but different there where there's just, you know, some cognitive hurdles that some people like, you're just not going to be able to remove for them. And they, they have to either figure it out or they don't. But, you know, you can just end up like, you either end up leaving or you become what they call treadmill clients where they you ultimately as a personal trainer, you just turn to a therapist and they're just giving you money and they're not, you know, they're not getting skinnier or they're not getting anywhere towards their goals. And it's just yeah. like, it can devolve very quickly. I love that. So, and then Taproom sprung up in 2015? Taproom sprung it, up in 2017. So okay. another, another, I'm never going to do this. And then I did it situation uh, in 2016, I was featured in a MailChimp newsletter with the title, A Freelance Success Story. And I was like, yes, I made it. This is awesome. In this article, I talk about how I never want to start an agency, that I love this hybrid model of being a freelancer and partnering with other freelancers. Not even a month after that came out, I was like, well, actually, I kind of do want to start an agency. (laughs) So it took nine months to go from, okay, I'm actually going to do this to launching or relaunching as the taproom, which happened in October of 2017. What a trajectory. And for people that don't know, can you give a little color what Taproom is? Yeah. So the Taproom is a Shopify Plus development agency really focused on building custom apps, custom themes for merchants on Shopify and Shopify Plus. How cool. So you go from one of one applicant at, uh, you know, nothing wrong with government jobs, but, you know, they are what they are. And to starting your own agency, building on one of the most innovative platforms, or especially in e-commerce. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's a, <laughs> that is definitely a trajectory. I love it. <laughs> so what do you, would you say, like, was there any resources or frameworks? Or like, how, how did you get from there to there? Because the other thing that um, you have a lot of is entrepreneurial spirit. And academia and entrepreneurial spirit usually are like oil and water. 
Like yeah. academia is very stuffy. It's very theoretical. Um, very rarely is it practice, right? It's like, oh, well, if you did this, and the, the reason I'm saying this, I, I studied economics. And so you, what economics is basically is like all theory land. And then by the time you get to practice, you're like, oh, well, the reason it didn't work. And so economists are just really good mathematicians at post hoc explaining why something happened. But there's yeah. like zero predictive power where it's like we, we just rationalize uh, in the in the uh, past, but we can't really predict anything. So how did that work out with having like this really deep, strong academic background, but yet you're uh, like this top tier entrepreneur? I think one of the things that from from academia that I learned early on is that it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. And every t- every failure is an opportunity to improve. You know, when you're mm-hmm. testing hypotheses, if you're if you're uh, getting it correct every single time, congratulations, something's weird about you. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it's just not going to happen. And when it comes to entrepreneurship, you have to t- you have to be willing to take those chances and be willing to fail and be willing to pivot and learn from those, those experiences. And I think that's something I really embraced early on, uh, you know, being willing to, to test the field, see, see what, I, what I can do, what I shouldn't do, what I like doing, what I don't like doing. And speaking with others really was a, a huge part of that. You know, there are always people who are ahead of their, ahead of your journey, you know, whether it's a year yes. ahead, months ahead, years ahead, you're, there's so much you can learn from them. And most people are willing to share with you what they've, you know, their trials and tribulations. Most people are not keeping it close to the chest because what good does that do? You know, I'm playing in the same field as a lot of these people, a lot of these huge agencies. And I've, you know, we're technically going for the same deals, but we'll talk. We'll talk all day. We'll share ideas and tips and whatever, because, you know, there are things that I've experienced as an agency owner that some of these other agencies have never experienced. And they might have been in business for 10 years. And I've been in business for four. It's just, you know, different, different games that, you, that we're playing in that same field. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And that's honestly, too, I've been my experience as well is um, a lot of people, especially the top tier people, um, they want to pay it forward. Where it's yeah. like, they, you, obviously, it's not like the, hey, can I pick your brain kind of stuff? You know, you, you have to. Uh, formulate the ask in a way that it's beneficial for both parties, right? You don't want to just take, take, take. But when you do that in a, you know, respectful kind of manner, I've, I've had really uh, success as well, kind of reaching out to those people, especially as well. Sometimes that might not be like directly competitors, but like kind of periphery competitors. And they're, they're still really um, open to, um, you know, helping those people. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, what is, so let's wrap up the main segment. One last question. What's one piece of advice you would give to kind of aspiring entrepreneurs that you wish you received when you were kind of, uh, on your journey or starting your journey, I guess. I would say keep a living, breathing document of your goals. And it seems like a funny thing to just to say like, that's what I would recommend. But you know, we live in our heads so much about here's what I would love to do. But if you don't actually write it down and you don't keep it in front of you, it's hard to remember sometimes, especially when you're not having, you know, great days, you know, your trajectory should be up and to the right, but you're going to have those down days as well. Keeping those goals ahead of you. And and so you can always see them is really helpful. But the point of it being living, breathing document is that your goals are going to change over time and welcome that change. Allow yourself to change your goals. If you decide that, you know, what was interesting to you before is no longer interesting to you. That's totally fine. Just update what your goals should be. I love that. Uh, that's that's sensational. Yeah. And, and I love the idea that you said uh, or the point of making them visible, because I know a lot of times I've done some goal setting stuff and like 
doing it and putting it on there and then not having them like in front of you is like just as bad as keeping it in your head because it's like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Oh my gosh, you made it to the second segment already, the value add segment. This is why the people bought the ticket. Okay, let's get into some nerdy stuff. All right, so what are the best parts and hardest parts of running the tap room? Uh, best parts, I have an, I, I get to work with so many talented people and I allow, you know, the, the kind of work that we do allows me to give them the creative freedom to, to learn and grow, but also fail and allowing them to make mistakes on, along the way and teaching them how to veer back to where they need to be. I, I love leadership. I love being a leader. And it is one of the absolute most rewarding things about running the tap room is having such a talented team that I can help build up both personally and professionally as well. Oh, I don't remember I the second it. half of the question. Uh, the hardest. <laughs> so that, that's the good stuff, the bad stuff, or not necessarily the bad stuff, but what are kind of like more of the, the more challenging parts of running the tap room? Cash flow is definitely yeah. one of the, the and, and this goes for really any business, but service-based businesses in particular you know, we're constantly selling, constantly having to deal with, you know, new leads coming in, putting together proposals, scoping things out only for them to fall apart three, four, six months later when we had no return on that investment. It's such a typical thing to have to deal with. And, you know, four years in, especially, you know, I, I would say I'll give an example, 2020, uh, nope, it is now 2022, 2021. I don't know what year it is anymore. I'm saying, uh, <laughs> I'm saying 20, I got the first two digits and that's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. 2021 was a huge year of growth for the tap room. Uh, we, we passed a million in revenue for the first time, uh, in one calendar year. Uh, we finished yeah. around, around 1.4, which is awesome. Cause we had done 790 the <laughs> year before, but keeping up with that growth also meant hiring a lot of people yeah. to do the work as well. And as that work started to taper down towards the end of the year, I had a lot of people and not a lot of work. I had a high, high expenses, lower amount of cash coming in, which meant I had to make some very difficult decisions. And that was a mistake on my part to, to hire so quickly early on, which, you know, the pandemic really led or like fed into what we did there to, to, we got more work because of the pandemic, had to hire because of the pandemic, but we did not continue to adjust as needed. And that resulted in us having to get rid of some people. Um, the positive side of that is I had started this other company. And so we laid off four people at the tap room and rehired them at Cavallo. So How we got to keep cool. a job. <laughs> yeah, stay, stayed in the family. Yeah, that's definitely um, something that can be really challenging is matching that burn rate to your growth, right? Because yeah. you need to have the supply to service that demand. But then, as you said, if that supply or if that demand is a bit fickle and then it's just this big wave, like, you know, mediating that can be a really big challenge because, you know, what do you do? Then maybe you get freelancers and then you don't have to eat the W-2s. But at the same time, like it's just a different relationship with a freelancer than it is a exactly. W-2 worker. And then there's just a lot of nuance that goes into that. And, you know, a lot of times it just is what it is. And you, you know, like you said, you have to make some tough decisions sometimes as the, you know, as the facts change, your, your strategy has to as well. And it, it, it's a challenge. And that's so cool that you were able to kind of feed them into your uh, kind of second company with Cavallo. That's really neat. Yeah. I'm, I'm really fortunate to have been able to do that because they're, they're all such wonderful people. And I'm glad I had, I had another option. Like 
obviously most people are not running two companies at the same time to be able to do something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, for that opportunity. I love that. When you guys are looking at kind of Shopify user experiences, um, or, um, in specific, like, all, cause you guys operate on Shopify plus stores, what are you, what are you kind of looking at? Or like, take me through that. Is, are people coming to you with like an ask or is it more of kind of a nebulous, like I want to make more money. Can you help me with that? Or I want to increase in conversion rate or is it like, I want to build a bundle builder app that looks like X, Y, and Z or how does that work? We get a good mix of all of those clients. I will say okay. the ones who are more nebulous in their requests are the most difficult to kind of parse apart and figure out, okay, yes, you want to make more money. Cool. Tell me why. Yeah. Constantly asking why are you, why, it's, I, I would say there are two, <laughs> both sides of it. People who don't know what they want and then the people who know what they want, but it's the wrong thing to want. <laughs> Like, that's good. Yeah. I, you know, I know I need this, this particular thing for my store and here's why. And I'm like, here's why you don't need that. And this is also a terrible idea when it comes to user experience. Um, and I have actually hung up on leads before who were very, very rude to me because they would be like, I'm not hiring you for your opinion. I'm hiring you to pay to build this. I'm like, oh, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> it's the wrong, wrong, wrong answer, buddy. <laughs> wrong answer, buddy. <laughs> no, I love that. I, uh, I, I used to run my own agency and that was kind of one of the things that I would always push back with where it's like, then why are you giving me all this money? Like yeah. if you, if you don't want my opinion, that's fine. But why are you paying me then? Like, that's the whole point. I'm the domain expert. You're not. If you were the domain expert, you would be doing this. That's, exactly. what, that's what the money's for. And so, it, it, yeah. I, and I love that you cut that off at the past because I've found, um, especially in like agency life, um, especially when you're starting out, one or two clients can scuttle an agency, man. Like oh, you yeah. get one or two because not only are they going to over ask, they start getting way out of scope. And then you either tell them to F off and now you have this person that's yelling at everybody about how bad you are or you do the work. They pay late. They don't pay. Like it can just be a nightmare. And so being able to that's what I've always told people with like starting an agency. One of the biggest inflection points is once you can get to a cash flow where you can say no. Because yeah. obviously there's going to be times where you know, you're going to take on projects. You do what you need to do when you need to do it, right? Exactly. Um, but the farther you can get away from that um, of necessity of cash flow and more into choosing who you get to partner with, um, paradoxically, again, you make more money because you're just partnering with really great partners. And there's a bit of a parallel, again, in media buying where um, when I was just starting out, I would have, you know, a $1,000 contract or something like that, $500 contract. And this person is like, I need a blood sample. I need you to be online for 25 <laughs> hours a day. And you're just like, what are you, dude, you're giving me 500 bucks a month. Chill <laughs> out. And then yeah. you get like $10,000 retainers and like, hey, do you need anything? Like, no, we just sent, good, sent the check. Yeah. And it's just like, man. Yeah. So being able to level up the quality of clients is, uh, th yeah. that's definitely a step function for a lot of agencies out there in multiple verticals. Yeah. There are two things that I learned over time from that. One, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Oh, I love that. So the, it was, going back to my economics background, this the fancy term for this is opportunity cost. Exactly. But I love that. I love exactly. that. I, I, I recently took a, an economic class too. So we're talking about opportunity oh, cost. Yeah, that's <laughs> I went to Harvard Business School online. It's not the same thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I went to Harvard Business School online. I love that. But 
but honestly, it's better to say it in, in terms that people understand. I, I, I think that's honestly a better way to communicate it because you, you understand what you're saying. Where uh, I, I love that. Sorry, I cut you off. Keep going. No, 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 you're good. No, it's, it's, it's definitely something to learn and to remember every single time you're presented with a choice. And sometimes you need to, and it's actually a really good exercise to do just in your day to day. When I say yes to X thing, I'm saying, y, I'm saying no to Y thing. And think through that. what is it you're giving up. If I'm saying yes to this project, if I'm saying yes to being on this podcast, I'm saying no to taking a break and reading a book on my Kindle. I mean, yeah. doing work. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> or hitting the pelly or whatever. Or hitting the pelly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I did. I ran three and a half miles yesterday. And oh, I forgot I, you switched. You're, you're not. You're on the I'm treadmill, doing both right? now. I'm still oh, doing both. Yeah. Wow. Well, see, here's the thing. I'm not a runner. Well, I guess I am because I just ran three and a half miles. Um, but I'm still <laughs> learning to be a runner. And so my 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 knee is killing me right now, which means I can easily get on the bike and not hurt. So <laughs> I just switched between the two of them. That is incredible. Oh, I love it. But yeah. Uh, so the second thing that I was going to mention was, and I will remember it in just a moment here. Saying yes to no, opportunity cost, um... I was so close. Maybe. Almost I got it. it. I derailed us. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you mentioned Peloton. Uh, my my head's just I like, I know, Whoa. and I totally went to the, Oh, gosh darn it. Yeah, it is what uh, it is. We'll it'll, come back to it if you remember. It'll come back. It. Yeah. Um, the, was there any kind of, any favorite implementations from the tap room that you really remember and you're like, man, we crushed that. That was really awesome. Oh, so many of them, actually. So many, um, obviously. I'm trying to Pick figure out which favorite. ones we can actually share. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. That's the problem. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> NDAs are really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can skip <laughs> over it, too. I just know you guys do some really cool work over there. I didn't know if there was anything that you wanted to highlight. I think one of the ones that there was a, a relatively <laughs> recent launch that we did was Copper Cow Coffee. Uh, they have a custom, so it, they, they were switching from, their whole thing was they were switching from a lot of one-off purchases to going more subscription-based. And they needed this. to change the way the, the the website was structured to support that move. And so we built them a custom quiz flow that Ooh, let them know right. which flavors of coffee that they would like most based on their 10, you know, their, their general yeah, coffee yeah. preferences. And then they could edit that box or they can go ahead and subscribe to it or purchase it one time or, you know, all the, these kinds of things that oh, subscriptions cool. are complicated. They're yes. very complicated, especially once you start introducing boxes of goods that you can switch out the items. It gets we did really another gnarly. one who's uh, another subscription one who's I, I can't mention the name of the company, but I can talk about the project uh, where they have like a weekly meal plan, for example, and you can choose which meals you wanted to get that week. And so we provided up to five weeks in advance of choosing which meals you wanted for each of those weeks where you can skip a week. And it was a lot oh of like, you're, gosh. you're purchasing a subscription itself. And then you have all these one-time products that are the actual meals that you're getting as well. So there was a lot oh of gosh. like, a lot of logic that went into making that work. And it's one of the, I'm, I'm so proud of our team for building that out. That was one of the coolest things we built. How awesome. Yeah. You get into some really weird, uh, just combinatorial stuff, right? Where it's just like, that's a lot of combinations. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Whoa. How do we, we deal with all that? And then, yeah, we've done some yeah. weird things with like uh, custom discounting based on an, any number of user tags. 
And so which which customer tags are take pre precedence over other customer tags, make sure they're ranked, make sure they show based on their tags, but also based on the items in the cart, but make sure they don't see the items that they shouldn't see because they have the wrong tags. It, the, uh, the amount of logic that goes into some of these custom apps that we build is, is it's it's bonkers. Oh my gosh. And so this is also something that can be so frustrating when, when dealing with clients where it's like, can't you just move that button over there or whatever? And you're just like, <laughs> oh my, especially when you have a ton of dependencies, you're like, uh, that's going to be another 10 grand. They're like, what yeah. are you talking about? It's like, and it's like, well, you kind of don't like, we basically have to refactor the whole app that we built for you just to do that one change. Are you sure you want it? And, uh, it, it can be uh, challenging sometimes where people that aren't necessarily uber technical have, uh, asks that seem reasonable to be fair. They seem like a reasonable ask, yeah. but it's just when you don't have the, um, knowledge of the infrastructure and the architecture that's underpinning it, um, it's not as easy as an ask. And it's the, exactly. that, that would always like jar me when it's like, well, I could do that in five minutes. You're like, really? You could, you want to show me how do you do it, it in five yeah. days? <laughs> that's what I really? Then maybe we should hire you because yeah, you'd be the you cheapest developer I've ever found. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, when you're at, cause I want to talk a little bit about Gavalo, but we'll wrap up on tap room a little bit, but, um, how are you measuring success in your businesses? So in, in the tap room, uh, we have a number of KPIs that we're looking at. Um, so we, we, we track our, our funnel. So the number of leads that come in intro calls that we have, uh, estimates that we actually send out and then yep. conversions from there. So it's important to do that because for example, uh, from 2020 to 2021, our number of leads that came in dropped significantly. But that was because we increased our rates, our close rate increased. And so we are spending less time on introductory calls, less time sending out proposals that were going to be rejected so we can actually get to the work that needed to be done. Oh, so that is such an interesting insight. So that's one thing that we measure. Um, I'm also looking at how our team is spending time per week. So our, our developers are logging their hours, but it's not so much a, like, let me make sure you're actually doing X yeah, number yeah, yeah. of hours per week. They put together estimates based on the tasks that needs to be done. And then you measure their actual time spent versus the estimate to see oh, where we're spending that. too much time. What did we run into? Why was this twice the amount the estimate? Where do we go wrong? Or here are, here are some cool. things that we are estimating. We're overestimating how much time we actually need when we do it in half the time. So that keeps us, That's that cool. helps the team become more efficient uh, and it helps us allocate. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so brilliant. I think of, uh, cause I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of time blocking. Like my whole day is pretty much planned every day. And so I get really grumpy, uh, when, cause obviously there's boss's prerogative. So when like AJ or Max, this, the co-founders ping me or the VP of engineering, you know, <laughs> it is what it is and you move yeah. things around. Um, but I love that because I think of, and almost going back to your previous point of opportunity cost, I think of, um, kind of time and bets. Right. And so it's like, this is the bet I'm going to make. And with that bet, cause I found that, uh, humans are horrible with abundance oh, yeah. and fantastic with scarcity. And so if you're like, Hey dude, if you, cause another thing I had where you join an early stage startup, you mm -hmm. just work a lot and you know, it, it just is what it is. But at the same time, it's not really a healthy lifestyle. And so there's a certain point where, cause I was working from home, we finally got an office and the office finally acted like a forcing function for me where it's like, Hey, work at the office. And when you're home, yeah. you're home. And so, uh, you know, try and get in like eight or nine to six o'clock. And what I've found is kind of what you were saying is instead of me thinking I have the whole day to work, 
I was way more focused because you're like, hey, I, I have nine to six. This is the time to bet. I'm going to place my bets and crush these out. If not, you just kind of there's always something that you can slide in your plate and you just end up perpetually working. And that's not necessarily the most pernicious part about it for me. I just never felt accomplishment. Exactly. Because like even when you do crush something out, you're like, oh, well, then there's this next big thing I can start working on there. And there is just never that really kind of you don't feel I love that. I'm going to suggest that too. I, yeah. I love that. Cause to your point, it's not about clocking in, clocking exactly. out. It's about how are you perceiving your ability to get things done? And then how are you matching that? And then how are you betting your time throughout yeah. the day? I, yeah. Man, that's brilliant, it's, Kelly. I, I really, like I'm, I'm very much against the typical 40 hour work week. And I, Same. you know, I, I run the tap room differently than I run Gavallo. And of course I've, I've transitioned out of the tap room at this stage, but I still own the tap room, so I'm very much <laughs> still involved in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm against the 40-hour work week mindset because you're asking the question, how can I fill 40 hours of my time? Yes. Instead yes. of asking, how long that. is it going to take the tasks that need to be done this week? And if it takes less than 40 hours, awesome. Maybe you want to spend some time of that doing personal or professional development. Maybe you do want to get ahead on next week's stuff. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But I would rather make sure that you're doing the amount of work that you can get done in one week, not how can I fill up that time. I, I love that. That is so brilliant. And I think, too, that is the bifurcation between, quote, unquote, skill work and yeah. labor, where labor is really punishes you for being yeah. efficient. Um, so, like, uh, there's a great book by David Graeber called Bullshit Jobs, um, and ultimately the, the thesis behind it is like, you'll basically what you just said, where people are just working in these jobs that are just filling time. And what was crazy. These are, these are really like, they were high level people. You're talking about high level lawyers, et cetera, et cetera, but they're just filling their time versus to your point, like here's an objective and let's work on it. And it takes as long as it takes, but let, let's get and move this forward. And then we'll modulate around the resources that we need. If it takes longer, it takes longer. If it takes less, it yeah. takes less, but it's not about the time, like the, the work isn't a function of the time, right? Like the work is actually a function of the goals. And then the time is just a byproduct and a kind of that forcing function of like, you can't work 24 hours. You got to use the restroom. You got to eat. You got to, you know, have some semblance of a life with it, either your significant other or your hobbies or something yeah. like that. That's a really enlightened way to look at things. I love Thanks. that, Kelly. Okay. One more question and then we'll get to the rapid fire. So All strap right. in. Um, what's the biggest opportunity you see with digital gifting? I know we didn't get to do Gavalo too much, but give us kind of the skinny there. So t one, tell us kind of what Gavalo is, give us that little elevator pitch and then tell me kind of what you think the biggest opportunity there is for, for digital sure. gifting. So Gavalo is a new gift card app for Shopify. So if I were to purchase you a gift card using Shopify's native functionality, I purchase a gift card, gets emailed to me, and then I either have to forward you that email or print it off and hand it to you. So there's no actually actual gifting when it comes to gift cards on Shopify. And Gavalo sets out to solve that. So when you install Gavalo, it takes you know less than three minutes to get onboarded. And when you're on that product page that has the gift card product, instead of seeing an add to cart button, you see send a gift card. You click on that and a pop-up appears and asks you for the recipient's name, their email address, as well as a gift note so you can customize the message that gets sent out. And then we take it a step further by actually adding a delivery date too. So you can purchase a gift card now to be sent at a future date. So for example, you want to plan all your, your Christmas gifts ahead of time. Boom, 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 done. It'll be delivered on Christmas day. You don't have to worry about it. So oh we automatically create level. those gift cards for the merchant and automatically send them directly to the gift recipient or schedule for future delivery as, as requested. Uh, we also offer store credit. So Shopify doesn't do anything in terms of store credit. 
So it's the same underlying functionality as gift cards, but we separated it out for analytics. One of the things about gift cards is that a lot of them go unused. Like let's take yes. 2020, for example, $15.3 billion in the US alone sat un on unused gift cards. I am literally part of the problem. I have props that are gift cards that are literally unused gift cards in here on my desk. <laughs> and with that, there's, there's a benefit to actually getting your customers to use those gift cards too, because on average, an order that uses a gift card as a payment method or partial payment method is $59 higher than those that do not. So it increases your AOV as well if you can get your customers to use those gift cards. So that. we're surfacing those analytics. How many gift cards have you sold? How is, what's the total value? What's the total value you've made from orders that contain a gift card as a payment method? And what is that average order value as oh, well? And we're gonna to continue to build out those analytics because the, the data is so, it, it's incredible what data is out there with around gift cards. It's just not being surfaced right now. I love that. The other thing about gift cards that aren't used is you can get into a really weird accounting situation oh, yeah. because you really can't you can't um, claim that revenue yet. I think it's like a few years. There's some sort of time limit that eventually you can then take that revenue yeah. on your books. But um, ultimately, your gift card is you know you it's just sitting there in this zombie kind of place in your P and L where there's just it, it's a service that needs to be rendered and hasn't yeah. been. And so there, you don't really actually get to claim it on your books as well. So it's even better when people, I mean, obviously if don't, people don't use it and then eventually you do get to claim it, that's great. But at the same time, that's not the point of a gift card. Not, it's not to swindle people, it's to make people, <laughs> yeah. you know, buy your stuff. And to your point, you're buying more exactly. stuff. So it's even, yeah, even gift better. Gift cards are great for immediate cash flow needs, especially during a time when the supply chain that's is, a good is point. total shit. That's a fair so point. So it's super helpful. Yeah. But gift point. cards are deferred revenue until they have been used. And so they are a liability on your books. And, and to your point of being exactly. able to convert into revenue after a certain number of years, that varies from state to state. So in some states, gift cards oh. never expire. When it comes to achievement laws, which Ooh, is what you were talking about in, in converting and what is that dollar value in X number of years, it varies everywhere. In the state of Georgia, we're just like, YOLO, do whatever you want. Gift cards, you know, they can expire <laughs> after five years if you want. In some states, let's say you have a gift card that's over $25 and you have less than $5 remaining on it, you can go and exchange the remaining balance for cash. <laughs> there are all so many weird oh, wow. things when it comes to gift cards. I'm really fun at parties now. I can mm -hmm. tell you all about gift cards. <laughs> I can Let me see that gift card there. How long have you had this? What's the amount on the left? Hold on. Oh, what state did you buy Exactly. Oh, that's so amazing. But yeah, to answer your actual um, question about, you know, uh, missed, you know, I don't know exactly how you phrase other missed opportunities. The, the, the yeah, biggest opportunity. Yeah. The biggest opportunity you see in So we gifting. think of gift cards as holiday related or, you know, for your birthday, I'm going to give you a gift card for something. Or we, we, we kind of think of a gift card as like a cop out. Like, I don't know what to get you. So I'm just going to give you a gift card. But better than cash. But better than cash. Here's the thing, though. Millennials and Gen Z in particular, they want gift cards. But, you know, and it's starting to move up, you know, back mark. I don't know, you know, previous generations. We'll just call it that. Uh, more and more people are starting to want gift cards. But it's not really a cop out because let's say, like, I know that, you know, you are really into, like, you spend a lot of time at your computer. Okay. And I want you to be taking care of your eye health. Well, Felix Gray is one of our users, so why don't I go and buy you a gift card for Felix Gray? 
instead of an Amazon gift card or a, you know, just like an Amex card that you can use anywhere. I've taken it one step further to think about what you actually like. Maybe I know that you love cooking, so I'm going to get you a gift card from our place and you're going to get yourself some really cool kitchen stuff. You know, there's, there's a level to, you know, care that goes into giving a gift card, but it goes beyond just like holidays and birthdays. I, you know, we are, we're collecting data, of course, on how, how customers are purchasing gift cards, why they're purchasing the gift cards. We're seeing more and more gift cards being purchased just because, Hey girl, I know you had a really bad day. So drinks are on me. Here's a house gift card. That's cool. I think that's, there's so many opportunities here and it's really on the, you know, the merchant to surface the opportunities to, to really push gift cards. One of the things that we built in on, actually built it the weekend before we launched the app. It was like, huh, this is kind of a really cool idea. If you land on our product page and the item is sold out, we built in a bunch, we built in the functionality where below that sold out button, we add a button that says send a gift card instead. That's brilliant. you never have a dead end on a page. That's one of like that is is like CRO UX one hundred and one. Don't let any page be yeah. a dead end. Well, I now just gave you an opportunity to to sell something else. That's really cool. I really love that. That's really cool. And I, I think to your point too, uh, gift cards are especially like outside of the universal ones, where it's in a, a vertical or at a store or something like that. It does come across personal. And, and there's certain things where you can know somebody's kind of. Uh, preference set but not necessarily proclivities right so it's like i know you like to shop at this store but i don't really know what you would buy or maybe the items are a little intimate right like a watch or a handbag or something it's like it's really hard to buy for somebody but if you give them the capability to get that from that store it's like two birds with one stone it's the best of like you might know well you obviously know that i love my peloton both now the bike and the trend so you might be like oh i'll get you a gift card to the peloton apparel store but you don't know what size I wear. Exactly. So why not just give me the gift card instead? Exactly. But you you really gave me something that you know I enjoy. Yeah. And, and it does come across sincere because I would, unless I know you, I wouldn't have known that you like Exactly. Peloton. Exactly. I, I love that. That's fantastic. All right. Midwest girl, Michigan. I'm from Indiana. I, I, I love the Midwest, but I, I'm not going to take it easy on you. <laughs> Rapid fire. All right. Let's ready? go. Okay, UGA, overrated, underrated. Uh, in what sense? Well, it's it's totally <laughs> okay, kind okay. of your um, either campus life or, or underrated. What? How do you want to take the question? Underrated. I love it. Uh, gift cards, underrated, underrated. underrated. Ooh, <laughs> I love it. Cycling, uh, overrated, underrated. underrated. There's a pattern here. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a pattern. Pelly, the Peloton, <laughs> overrated, underrated. Uh, Peloton CEO, just kidding. I will not get into that one. <laughs> oh, did you see oh, that? I, oh my gosh, that thread was so Suddenly everyone bad. wanted my opinion on something Peloton related when there's a, there's some news around the Peloton. I would oh say, I mean, being in the Peloton environment, it is absolutely underrated. It's the, the, the people yeah. I have met through the Peloton community are some of the best people I know. I actually did my first ride. I was out in Columbus uh, last week for um, you know, we had a leadership meeting or whatever at HQ, and I did my first ride. It was actually really with? fun. Um, it was uh, <laughs> it was some black German guy. And I, <laughs> I, it was in the morning, and like I thought I was having like a stroke or something. I was what the hell is this guy saying? I can't understand. And then I was like, oh, he's speaking German. <laughs> so it was some black German guy. I hope but it was turned great. On it was really fun. 
<laughs> no, I just ran with it. I had because it's really nice. Like there's a, like I love analytics and metrics, and there's like all these little feedback things. Like okay, I turned it up the right way. I'm hitting the right cadence. Exactly. Like it was very aligned with my personality type. For uh, like pretty much the feedback loops almost instantaneous. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was a great workout. And to your point, cycling is great because uh, there's it's pretty much a zero impact activity, and you're gonna get a ton exactly. of cardio from it's, it. Exactly. So it's it's a, definitely it's really zero impact unless you're riding outside and you turn your body but you don't turn the bike and then you just you know hit a curve <laughs> not speaking from experience or anything <laughs> no, no no of course not it's of my first not. time out on the road yeah, in uh, like two years and i'm like this is going great it's the end of the ride i'm going back to where we parked and i just like ate shit right in front of a bunch of people oh, no. i'm just like getting up i'm like <laughs> that didn't happen and those those road bikes you can get oh moving. absolutely like, and uh, and you're clipped in get, well i, I clip in on mine Oh, that's the scariest! <laughs> oh gosh, it scares especially me so since much. I you just and you can't I couldn't get, get my out. foot out, oh, and God, also there's me. like, based on my seat height and where I clip in, my feet don't hit the ground, so <laughs> I clip out and I literally have to oh, lean gosh. to get my my foot to hit the ground. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, the Grand Canyon, overrated, underrated. <sighs> if you ask me, other locations, I think. If you're going during the day, it's overrated. If you're going for the sunrise, absolutely underrated. I love that. I love that. Shopify Plus, overrated, <laughs> underrated. I'm supposed to say underrated. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. It can be accurately rated. It it's be, just, it can it's be rated. neutrally rated. No, I, I think that uh, with some upcoming changes mm. that it's uh, it, it's approaching over. Yeah, there's there's some... Man, there's some big bills. I had I went like again when I was running my agency. I was like, "Gosh, dang, that's a big yeah. bill, man, to run a website." But at the same time, you know, it is what yeah, it is. I see. It is, in my opinion, I think one of the best platforms to uh, run yeah. on. But the the plus, the plus. I can see be, a lot of be kind of spicy seven and item. eight figure businesses doing great on advanced Shopify. So. No, you didn't hear it here, folks. <laughs> Got that plus. But, I loved, uh, yeah, I I love the features I, of Shopify Plus, but I also recognize the fact that some of those plus features are working their way into advanced Shopify. So, yeah. And to be fair, too, the economics just get really weird yeah. with plus, where it's like, whew, that, that is a, you know, if you're making under a million dollars, if you're making under a, a million, a don't challenge. look at plus. Full stop. <laughs> it's a big line <laughs> item. It's a big line item. Um, kilts, overrated. Oh, underrated. underrated. I told you I stopped. <laughs> you really underrated. did. I love it's it. It's literally my I husband in a kilt on my pic- on my phone background. <laughs> that's the one. Yep, that's the one I found. I love uh, it. Scottish weddings um, underrated. Oh, I would love that. Are you uh, Outlander? Do you I've like never the show watched Outlander? it. Do you know it? I was. Oh, I, I got it's, it's as soon as that, I mentioned that I was going to Scotland. Everyone was like, "Have you seen it?" I'm like, "Now, just like by principle alone, I can't." Yeah, it's the same reason why I'm <laughs> not going really to good. Iceland anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> fair point fair point it's actually really good but I, I take your point um what's your favorite city in georgia atlanta it's easy i love it um what gave you more gray hair gavala or give gives you i guess you're kind of just sitting or founder of tap room but uh what gave you more gray hair gavala <laughs> tap or tap room tap room totally there's a big seat. difference between bootstrapping um, and, and and having a, a, a vc backed company that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, uh, capital can really create a lot of like makes us a lot of headaches go oh, away yeah. when you have some money. It's that's for sure. Um, favorite meal and why? Uh, can I count wine as a meal? 
I I can. I'm never. It's your it's your show. It's, I'm in it's the, Mexican I'm food, it. and I know people expect me to say spaghetti because I talk about spaghetti all the time. Um, a mm-hmm. f- which is not Mexican food for our <laughs> listeners out there. A few years ago, <laughs> I made a New Year's resolution to eat Mexican food at least once a week, every week for the entire year. Best New Year's resolution I'd it's ever great. created. And absolutely, I I you know succeeded. Obviously. I was in another country and I'm like, I got to find the Mexican food at least one day. And so I had tacos and it worked perfectly. That's brilliant. Georgia has some pretty, Atlanta has some pretty Atlanta good. Atlanta has some pretty good everything. It's such a, it's, it's such a foodie city. It's a big it's, city. It's yeah. big and it's yeah, very it's a underrated. A lot of people don't even have Atlanta on their radar. Most people, what they know of Atlanta is passing through Hartsfield Jackson. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Um, I love that. Uh, favorite place travel to and why? New Zealand was probably my favorite trip. Um, absolutely beautiful. Auckland? I, I did two weeks there. So I did a week in the North Island, a week in the South Island. Um, I heard the South, South Island, Island incredible, yeah, right? I, you know, it, Auckland is another city. Um, that's where we started. We ended our, our trip. Right. Uh, I loved Wanaka. Actually, I was one of my favorite, favorite cities. Yeah. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, I need to make the, uh, I've heard just incredible things about it. a guy named Trey Ratcliffe. Uh, I used to be really into photography and he actually ended up moving out there and it's just uh, uh, nature's gems. There's fjords. It's so there's beautiful. Everything, everywhere. It's I have just, such yeah, a weird I've top three countries that most people wouldn't think of. So well, number one me. is New Zealand, which I guess is a pretty, pretty given. Yeah. That's not Number bad. two yeah. is visiting Finland in the winter amazing Interesting. so what's much the fun. big cities in finland uh so uh that's the wrong country <laughs> helsinki helsinki yeah. that's right that's right uh but we we yeah, took yeah. an overnight train to uh, above the arctic circle uh so rovaniemi is up there um which is like the christmas town but we went like dog sledding uh, ice carting is so much fun cool. they have like we went snowmobiling a few times because you just rent like you you can could you can go from like Norway over to Russia just from snowmobiling paths. <laughs> it's so cool. What? So that was That's a really fun cool. trip. And number three is Slovenia. You know, so we have a, a good friend of mine, Rock. Shout out, Rock. Um, he's in Slovenia, and I've I've heard this actually a few times now, where it's it's supposed to be stellar and kind of undiscovered oh, still, right? Where like. Yeah. Everybody goes to the Paris's or the Rums and like, just go a little Eastern block, get into it. And yeah. like uh, Belgrade actually came up uh, with somebody else and, uh, but uh, different yeah. country, but anyway, same, <laughs> same, same region. region. Yeah. But, I had been prior yeah, yeah. to this past November, I had visited 24 countries and had never been to London, Paris or Rome. I've now added Paris to that list. I spent Thanksgiving in Paris in November, but I still have never been to London, which I will fix next month. And Rome is sometime, but it's, I'd rather visit other cities. And how was, how was Paris? it? Was great. It was still, you know, it's it was winter ish or approaching winter, and mm. also still dealing with the pandemic, so I couldn't do all the things. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, yeah, I usually like travel <laughs> out of the country about three times a year, and I got Finland in October or no, in February of 2020, and then my next trip was November 2021, being uh, France. So I. I Snuck one in before the end of the year. I was able to do that, but my travel schedule officially yeah. start kicks off next week. So I'll be away more than I will let's be home. <laughs> well, let's go, Kelly. I love it. Okay, two All more right. and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, favorite favorite follow on Twitter? Oh, that's a really good question. 
Is it weird to say that I don't look at other people's tweets that much? I have 108,000 no, followers no. on Twitter and I don't, I just like tweet and sign I off. Know, you have a massive account. <laughs> That's it. Just post and ghost. It's post good for the ghost. health. Yes, exactly. Um, it's good yeah, for the I health. mean, there's not really a, like, I, I, I have like my friends' alerts turned on for their tweets, but I'm not really reading much on there. What about newsletters? You want to throw in a newsletter instead? My favorite newsletter is like my newsletter own newsletter for one thing. Um, <laughs> it's it. called yeah, yeah. Your Friend's what Guide to Entrepreneurship. Um, I, I write an email every Friday or might be once a month right Ooh. now because I'm busy. But actually, funny thing, tomorrow's email that's going out is about time blocking. So it's very, uh, very timely. Um, so it's, it's yourfriendsguide.com yeah. is the website. I also owned, or I also bought yourfriendsguide.entrepreneurship.com and then realized that I don't want to type that out every time. So I sorted it to your friend's That's guide. <laughs> and, and entrepreneurship can be a challenge. I type it wrong almost every like single that. time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge. I do sometimes. love, uh, the 2 PM newsletter though. Um, yeah, web, web is a web is wonderful great. human. I absolutely love him. He's he's a really has his pulse on the uh, yeah. DTC um, space. Yeah, really smart guy. Um, also a Midwest guy. I believe he's in yep. Ohio as well. Okay, last question. And it'll make it through rapid fire. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, fictional or non-fictional, who would they be? So this is a four-person table. You're taking up one seat. You have three seats okay. to fill. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ooh, I love it. Yep. R.I.P. Um, there's a great, not to cut you off, but there's a really good documentary on her on, I believe it's Netflix or Hulu. It's incredible. She was a really a, a just a, a behemoth, just an absolute titan in this space. So this is a funny one, but I just have so many questions for her. Mo- mostly the number question, number one question is why Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, did she get? Oh got? yeah, what she she got that? got. I think out of five out of seven counts, I think it was. Oof. Yeah. There's a phenomenal book called Bad So Blood. Good. Um, but, oh yeah. Oh, you know it. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's also a, a, a the, podcast. That followed the trial, also oh, by John Kerry Rue. Oh my gosh! Highly recommend. So, yeah. Oh, is it okay? I got to do. I, I was so obsessed with that and the WeWork stuff. I was just, I could <laughs> not. It was like my watching a okay, train wreck. I that's just the thing. Get I love train wreck it. business stories. So that's that's a big one for me. <laughs> that's why you lit up on the Peloton <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you saw, you, I just saw the smile. It's yeah, that's a brutal one. It, it's challenging. Okay, you got. Um, RG or RBG, you got uh, Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos, yes. infamous Theranos fame, and then who's gonna round out the trio? I would love to have dinner with Barack Obama. Oh wow! So you have some pretty big political heavyweights in there. Where with I realized Ruth, that with the Supreme Court justice and then a former <laughs> president, uh, he was senator yeah. too, right? Yeah, he was a previous senator before he was president. I think correct? So. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure he's senator. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he's senator. I, I read his lawyer, book, but I also uh, forgot. But, There you go. Um, You made it. it. You made it through rapid fire, Kelly. Incredible. I should have known. A Midwesterner, a triple bulldog. Of course you're going to make it. Um, Okay, this time is yours, Kelly. Plug whatever you need to plug and let the people know where to follow you, how to get involved with all your cool stuff. Awesome, yeah. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and I probably will not see your tweets, uh, (laughs) let's be honest, when you have as many followers, I I miss a lot of my mentions too. It's pretty bad. Uh, um, K-V-L-L-Y is my my Twitter handle. Uh, Again, my my newsletter is yourfriendsguide.com. If you have questions for me, you can reach out to me directly via email. It's hello at kvlly.com. Um, my, my website contains all my socials and everything, uh, at kvloy.com. Shocking. Uh, Gavalo is 
G-O-V-A-L-O.com. The tap room is the taproom.com, which is also occasionally I get people saying theta room, which is probably my favorite. When I was like, I'm going to choose <laughs> a name that's that, really okay. easy to pronounce when you read. And I was like, so are you Kelly Vaughn from, from theta room? Like, yes, it's kind of like a super bowl or superb yes. owl. Yeah. <laughs> The, I don't know. That that's pretty bad, actually. Theta room is. I you know I think it's I I think it's mostly people who it's have some bad. kind of like Greek connection, like we're in a, a sorority. Yeah. For oh example. yeah yeah yeah. Yes, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Where yeah. Um, Me analyzing that, everything people say. Well, shocker. There's the psych. <laughs> there's the psych degree coming out. Kelly, you're a gem. Thank you so much for taking the time. It has been an amazing. This is 21 in the books, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping in. If you want to get more involved with Triple Well, it is trytriplewell.com. Go sign up there. We are also on the Bird app at Triple Well. And then we have a fantastic newsletter called Whale Mail. It goes out every Tuesday and Thursday. You can sign up on our Twitter bio at Triple Well. Kelly, thanks so much again. If you're ever in Austin, give me a shout. We'll grab a beer or some wine and maybe a cycling yeah. trip. Hopefully you, we, we won't fall. I'm not doing the Clifton <laughs> pedals, though. I'll tell you that. Um, well, that's all we got, folks. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see everybody on the flip. Bye-bye. <laughs>